everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Sonophilian, uh, where we discuss all your stories and inspirations with the Sonophilian Network. I'm Mariam Goddard, Editor-in-Chief for Sonophilia, and today we are joined by the Head of Business Development at The Telegraph, Mr. Christopher Keller. Um, hi, Chris. Uh, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Hi. Good to speak to you, too. Um, so I guess the first thing that I would really love to know a little bit more about is what your most important responsibilities as head of business development are? Well, the, the Telegraph, uh, as part of the uh, sort of legacy media landscape, um, has has very much been challenged by um, sort of the, the digital environment, and has really struggled, I think, uh, as as all newspapers have, to to really define what the business model is going to be in the digital future. The key thing is, is that we probably none of us actually know. So there are there are a lot of uh, companies out there and newspapers that are doing extremely well. The New York Times is one of them. We're they're sort of ramping up to three million subscribers. You've got um, you've got other publishers out there like The Economist um, that, are, that are equally strong. Um, and uh, the subscription model is 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 very very important. But um, we also know that um, sort of the, the largest chunk of revenues used to come from advertising, uh, which in the print world was extremely lucrative, very, very high yielding. Um, but as that slowly declines, um, uh, the question is, how do you replicate that in digital? And that is uh, a, a key challenge, um, especially because platforms like Facebook and Google are at the moment much more competitive in that space. So the key priority in my work is to figure out uh, what are the other avenues that we can grow revenue through in order to make up for that uh, decline in revenue? So how would you say that you actually um, try to diversify revenue, as you just mentioned? So we've, uh, we've been experimenting with a few different models. Um, one of the models is sort of direct-to-consumer uh, transactions, commerce transactions, which uh, newspapers always have sort of done um, in, 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 in a very, on, a, on a very small scale in the past. So, for example, newspapers would have book clubs, they would have wine clubs, they'd have that kind of thing, and they would, uh, they would transact. But it was very much, um, historically, a way of dealing with remnant ad inventory rather than anything else, rather than anything structured. And we sort of looked at this four years ago, and uh, we realized that uh, we had huge amounts of uh, clout and power in uh, things like travel, for example. So we are today the 10th largest travel website in the world. Uh, we've got more traffic than Airbnb and other big players in the market. Um, and that's because we write beautifully and we inspire about where people can go. And um, we had a very forward-thinking uh, editor in the travel section at the time who commissioned a lot of reviews, so, so things like hotel reviews. And then we did a really simple test and we just sent people uh, off to booking.com at the, at the end of the review. And we saw that the conversion rates um, through to booking was much, much higher because we were handing off really, really warm leads. And the average booking value was actually three times that of um, the average booking value of booking.com. So it, we, we, and that was mainly because we were, they were booking more expensive hotels, but also booking longer stays. And so um, we, we realized that due to the content, we were actually sitting on a, on a, on a potential gold mine here. 
um, and we then and my, my job was then to help the executives um, formulate a real strategy around that uh, and a route to growth um, uh, in, in that field and actually be able to offer something uh, a, a sort of it was mainly about just really really improving the user experience and taking out friction um, and that alone was enough to, to really uh, get some good growth into the business. Okay, so um, I guess I'm not sure if uh, this thing that I saw about um, the creative arts agency, the creative labs thing, um, I'm not sure if that's part of the Telegraph or if it's a separate initiative that you've launched. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, it's something we're really excited about. Um, uh, creative Labs is an investment we made uh, alongside um, some really uh, um, top-notch uh, venture capitalists, um, and uh, and also alongside uh, CAA, which is the largest uh, talent agency in the world, uh, and really one of the most dominant ones, especially sort of when it comes to sport and when it comes to film. Um, and uh, their, their sort of hypothesis was um, if, if you look at um, so emerging uh, media models and emerging uh, business models, um, and you then supercharge that with the power and the clout of uh, what today we, we now call influencers, um, but it, you know, those influencers are top talent, then, um, then you should be able to bring things to market really, really quickly and efficiently. Um, and that's what they've proven. Um, and uh, we invested in them as part of, uh, sort of uh, a group of limited partners. All right. I think that it's a good place here to ask you, from where do you draw your inspiration? I guess, I guess it's, for us, it's really important to understand our readership. In the same way, uh, our editors, you know, the, the key thing that an editor has to understand is, you know, what's what is on the readership's mind. How do they respond to uh, to stories? How do they respond to the content we put out? Uh, and in the same way, the business has to really understand um, what are the what are the passion points, but also what are the pain points, right? So if you if you take the the travel example that I mentioned uh, just now. If you if you tried if you had tried to do that sort of ten years ago, you would probably have found uh, a lot of cynicism uh, with readers and a lot of pushback from readers saying, "Hang on a minute, I, I just come to you to read the content. I don't want you to flog me, you know, the travel. I don't want you to flog me uh, uh, a, a hotel room." Mm -hmm. um, and that user behaviour has really changed because now we find that readers come to our site, they read um, the great inspirational content uh, and editorial and they, they then think, oh, this is fantastic, I'm absolutely sold, this is exactly what I want to do. But then they're left hanging in terms of there's, 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 no, way, there's no way for them to actually go to the book that. So what they have to end up doing is they leave, they leave our site, go back to uh, Google, start Googling, and then they, they spend uh, around sort of an average of uh, about 40 hours um, trying to book this book this stuff up. Um, so, so what we found was um, by taking out the friction, um, that really, really helped uh, our readers. And that, that's a really good example of how really being close to to what um, to what your audience wants, what your customers want, is so so important in the digital age. Well, you were talking about passion points. So what are your personal passion points um, when it comes to both your professional and your personal life and kind of 
how you hone in on your creativity with your work? I guess I guess I'm uh, I fall into uh, uh, a, a cliche uh, of uh, of millennials here in terms of that uh, one of the most important things when you ask millennials what you know, about, about their career and what they want to do it's all about well they want to do something that is meaningful and impactful um, and uh, I'm I'm probably very uh, guilty of, uh, of of being in that category so for me it's my my background is um, before I went into to publishing, well, even before I went to university, I was uh, very active in the music world. I sang in opera choirs and stuff, and, and things wow. like that. And um, and so, you know, this the sort of sense of, and I guess the arts do this anyway. This sense of uh, looking at for meaning within the material of the work yeah. is 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 very close to my heart. So um, I've always gone into a job, you know, thinking about what it, what positive impact am I having. Especially in these days with, uh, with fake news going on and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, having really high-quality journalism uh, that gives people a sense of perspective on the world that is based on facts and truth is uh, is, abs- is so important and, and so meaningful, and and, uh, um, and and that's that's a huge passion point for me. And uh, you know, in a previous job, I was working in the helicopter industry, and we were we were the biggest provider. Uh, I think worldwide of emergency ambulance, uh, air ambulance and search and rescue uh, uh, helicopter uh, services and that was all about saving lives which was again a wonderful um, sort of mission at the heart of the business to really um, engage with and, and get excited about. So moving on to um, you know your involvement with Sonophilia, um, what kinds of insights and perspectives have you gained from your involvement with that network? I think what what Sonophilia does very very well is it, it curates and brings together a really really interesting group of people that are doing interesting things in their in their different fields and and the wonderful thing about it is everyone's doing something different but mm-hmm. if you go and you and you get people together and someone's talking about robotics and heart surgery and the next person's talking about blockchain in the energy services and the next person's talking about advertising or something else um it's uh, it's what is remarkable is that even though people are talking about completely different topics and completely different uh, in completely different fields you see throughout the day common themes emerge. that that's a really exciting thing um because people start referring to each other's talks um sort of feeling gatherings and those I think those are the real sort of the really valuable moments and those are the things that I, I tend to uh, then sort of go away with and, and, and continue thinking about them um, for, for many weeks after after the event when you're talking about that you continue to uh, you know think about it and you know you consider more about what you've discussed with other participants have you had any different collaborations with um, some members outside of the regular meetings? Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Let's in, talk in, about in, those. Yeah. Um, there have there have been instances. So uh, you know, I, 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 uh, one of the last um, sort of filial events I think it was in Dusseldorf. Uh, the great pleasure of meeting Andy Smolek, uh, who works for Google, or he, he did work for Google at the time. Uh, on his way of leaving the company and um, was uh, thinking about what is what is next for him and uh, and yeah we, we we definitely connected on a topic that's very very that he's very very passionate about and, uh, and we continue talking about it and uh, 
uh, still, you know, still uh, having ongoing conversations about how we can make that a reality. Um, that's sort of one example. Um, and then I'm just trying to think. They have, I mean, they, they have a lot of the time. It's sort of um, what one of the nice things about uh, the sort of feeder network is that because the group is is always limited, and, and I think it's sort of limited to about 40 people. The f you, you form very intense friendships and relationships with people. So um, it might be, you know, as something as um, you know, structured as, as going off and talking about, you know, how can we make uh, a new project a reality. But even in cases where it isn't that um, that advanced, sometimes it's just, you know, keeping in touch, picking up the phone, right. um, using other members of the network as sounding boards. So like, I'm thinking about this, what do you think? Um, that is, is, is also one of the most important things. Yeah, just to have kind of an outlet for, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other and, you know, getting ideas yes. and things. That's always important. So I guess my last question, um, just to kind of wrap it all up, when we when we talk about your field, it's journalism, and you're saying that you know you talk so many. I mean, so many different members of Sonophilians are talking about so many different things. What is the greatest advice that you could give to aspiring journalists about creativity and creative leadership? Creativity is 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 often something that happens when you cross disciplines. Often it's. Um, you know, creatively applying something that uh, is true in one field to your own field mm -hmm. um, and that is that that's often where incredibly creative ideas come about and, and creative initiatives get off the ground that actually have you know have the power to to really change the field you're in or even change the world and mm -hmm. so I think the, the 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 advice I would give to aspiring journalists is you know, don't just stick to to one thing. I, I often see um, sort of journalists. You ask them, you know, what, what's your background? And they've studied English literature, and that, that's pretty much it. So I, they're great writers, which is a fantastic skill. Um, but it's how do you then combine that with you know a deep understanding of the subject matter, or how do you then combine that with a crude but well-founded understanding of business principles? I think you know one one of um, Frederick, for you, one of the big thought leaders, he's a, a professor in Paris and also does a lot of work at Stanford. And he's, he's, a, he's a real thought leader in, in the field of journalism. He, he wrote, must have been a few months ago, that, you know, it's, it, one of the most important things to include in the in journalistic curriculum is actually business courses, just so that they get a, a basic and elementary understanding, because that is so, so important when you're, you're working in a field that is so heavily disrupted, so sort of changing at such rapid pace, uh, and being able to then not only keep up with it, but actually shape that um, means that you have to be multidisciplinary. And I think that's, that's the greatest way to harness creativity. Well, I really, that was a real pleasure, Chris. Thank you so much for uh, speaking Likewise. with us. Thank you. And, you know, we will be in touch. So thanks a lot. Thank you.